So with us today is renowned Canadian psychologist, Dr. Oren Amate, and uh, thanks once again, I appreciate it, for taking the time to uh, talk about mental health issues during the pandemic and how it affects all of us. So um, when it first started, we saw really, um, I don't want to use the H word, but I'm going to use it anyway. We saw a sense of hysteria with uh, lots of buying of toilet paper, that kind of thing. Did this kind of reaction shock you? No, it didn't. Um, you know, it, the, the, the rush to take care of oneself, okay, and not try to help others, basically. It's, called, it's like the prisoner's dilemma. Essentially, when two or more people in a certain situation where cooperation would end up producing the best result, most people, unfortunately, don't choose that because they're afraid that if they cooperate or if they, do, if they are selfless and the other person is selfish, the cost is going to be too great to them. So people are inclined to, take, you know, to, to do the, the irrational move, which makes perfect sense to them. Take care of myself. Don't worry about others. Maybe even hurt others in order to take care of myself. So I wasn't surprised at all. And the toilet paper thing—I mean, there's several reasons for that. But uh, you know, when it first came up, people asked me. I said, "Well, it's just because, you know, there's two reasons. One is that it's a bulky item, it seems, so that when toilet paper was going scarce, it's just—it's more visual. It's like, oh my gosh, we're out of toilet paper, and so people are thinking, how am I, I'm going to be locked down in my house for months without toilet paper? And then second, you know, one, it could have been toilet paper, it could have been bottled water, it could have been toothpaste, but it happened to be toilet paper. Once the word got out, as social animals, you know, as a herd, we all just kind of went for the same thing. So I, I wasn't surprised at all. It all made perfect sense to me, even though it's completely irrational. Okay, okay. Um, also, I noticed that um, kind of we're all in different stages of grieving, it seems. And um, I don't know if you would agree, does this cause maybe even for you a sort of grieving process? Not for me, um, because I've taken a really healthy perspective, number one, but more importantly, I'm just very fortunate. This is part of my healthy perspective where I haven't suffered a great loss, you know, whether to, to my routine, to my security, to my thoughts of my future, uh, but many people have. And for them, that's where the grieving can happen. And again, uh, the, the things I mentioned, you know, routine, security, future, uh, options, friends, you know, social behaviors and so on. A lot of people truly are feeling that is a great loss. And, and you know, and that's what loss is. It's, it's, or, you know, when you grieve, it doesn't have to be the death of a loved one. It's the significant loss that, that uh, you know, is more important. Right, right. So we know what kind of hits uh, the elderly. Uh, the most when it comes to physical terms, but mentally, does it hit a sort of group of people the most or does it hit us all equally, the impact? That's really tricky. Um, I wouldn't say it hits groups of people. I would say it hits uh, people in certain circumstances. So, uh, and even then within that, any, any of these groups, it really boils down to the perspective that people take. And that perspective can be guided by people's resilience, their hardiness, uh, the supports they have, the way they've always dealt with these types of issues. So, you know, it, it's too, it, it would be easy to kind of like paint people in different groups, but I, I look for more individual differences. Right, right. So do you think there will be maybe long-term ramifications? Or, oh, sorry. You mean ahead. for the mental health or? Yes, yes. When it comes to mental Yeah, I, I think, 
I, I, it really depends on how adaptive people are. And for all of my patients and students and people I talk to, uh, I try to really help them um, to sort of take the healthiest mindset so that, A, the current situation has less of an impact on them moving forward, and B, that they're better prepared for whatever changes await us. Nobody can predict exactly what it's going to look like three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, and a lot of people are very anxious about that. So I'm saying if you have the mindset of, and look, I, I wouldn't say this to every sorry, people in every country. I wouldn't say it to people in every circumstance. But fortunately in Canada, you know, we, we're handling it. We could have handled it much better, but we could have also handled it much worse. So I'm thinking that when things sort of resume to kind of a bit of a normalcy, we are in a much better position than people in other places to say it's just a matter of adapting rather than a wholesale change in how we live our lives. And that's what kind of mindset we need. Right, right. Do you think maybe there can be any good that comes from this? Oh, definitely. Um, so one, I mean, it sounds so silly, but the fact is uh, people are talking about better hygiene. Okay, I mean, that's just a fact. Right. There are people with really poor hygiene, number one. Number two, more important than that, but still important is, you know, hygiene is important too, but it's better health taking care of ourselves. We know that it's not hitting everybody equally. It's not because people are blessed with better genes, although that can be part of it. It's lifestyle. It's how are we taking care of ourselves, eating properly, right? You know, um, and, and the third one is thinking this toilet paper shortage or the fears of other shortages, okay, and the supply chain being broken. I'm not expecting everybody to now become, you know, to start raising vegetables in their garden and being off the grid but maybe people will be a little bit more thoughtful as to how much waste we, you know, we all are engaged in every day, whether it's water, food, materials, buying stuff we don't need, you know, um, and, and trying to keep up with the Joneses rather than saying, maybe I should make sure that I have you know, enough financial and resource security to get me past the next, whether it's a crisis or a hiccup. Right. Does that kind of tie into the whole uh, essential worker, non-essential worker? Type of thing. Uh, that's, I think, a little bit different because that would be, that's kind of almost a societal perspective where we're saying what is considered essential versus not. And what I'm talking about more is individual choices where people say, I have, uh, I have the ability to adjust the way I've been living, right? So that, uh, you know, if these things happen, I am better prepared. And again, I'm not saying making a bunker or anything like that, although some people will. Um, I'm talking more about just daily, I think, more practical and more thoughtful ways of living life. And because I, I'd be a hypocrite if I said, okay, now I'm going to go vegan or I'm going to do something like this. I know I'm not going to. I'm not going to make radical changes because I've already made changes in my life to be less wasteful, to be more prepared and so on, but not to some really high degree. I'm, I'm not that great. I'm over here. Okay, uh, but I used to be lower, and I hope people just kind of bump up a little bit, just a bit, you know, because that may, that will make them more resilient to the next. Like I said, doesn't have to be a crisis, even hiccup or a bit of adversity. We've become soft. We know this as a society. We've been blessed with great technology, no major war for many years, at least where we are. So you know, we, we've kind of taken a lot of things for granted. I hope this helps us step back and reflect and say, you know, maybe we shouldn't take all these things for so much granted. Right, right. So it kind of, in a way, it shows us how, uh, maybe how futile everything is, how fleeting everything is. So we really should take things for granted because maybe, you know, if this is our 
new normal, we should either adapt and hope for the best in the future. You, you, well, mm -hmm. sorry. Sorry, I cut you off a lot. Okay. Do you maybe think uh, this is our new normal, or is this maybe just a temporary hiccup? And it actually, is there anything normal about this? I could ask. Well, that's the thing. Um, sadly, if we if if things go back to pretty normal as it was before, I don't think people are going to learn too much from this. Okay, so I'm kind of torn because I do want people to learn. I want them to be more respectful of the environment. Uh, again, treating yourself more healthily, being nicer to others and so on. So I want people to, to be like that. But I'm concerned that if we go right back to normal, it all goes out the window. This has happened before with other pandemics or with other crises where people were really great to their neighbors. People were really considerate. People were thoughtful and so on. And everything's fine. So I'm going to return to one hour of... Um, of what's it called? Uh, Earth Day, like Earth Hour, like, you know, a year. Great. So, you know, so I don't want us to have some, I don't want everything to be turned on its head because I don't think society can handle that. Um, but I don't want it to go back to total normal. I want a moderate change because people can handle those types of small changes rather than huge wholesale changes. Right. And have you noticed the difference maybe in people that you've talked to? Um, be they introverts or extroverts in the way they're dealing with being inside? Uh, yes. And it's kind of funny because um, I've had a number of introverts who have said, like, I've got a lot of introverted patients and they said, a few of them say, we've been preparing for this our whole life. So, you know, we're, we're, this is easy for us. Whereas others have said, people think that this is easy for us, but it's not. Okay. Uh, it's not because being an introvert is not simply just, you know, staying home secluded. There's other factors that go on. So um, I've seen a lot of people hit in ways they didn't expect. And um, yeah, and I'm just thinking of other factors besides introvert, extrovert. Um, I've seen the extroverts, quite frankly, be hit quite hard. Okay. So introverts, some get hit a bit, some are okay. Extroverts, many of them, they're just chomping at the bit and saying, I've got to get out. I've got to talk to people, whatever. And, you know, and, and it's sad that they're having a hard time adapting. Right. 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 Um, does that maybe, um, is it maybe because someone is telling us to stay inside? So even if, for example, me as an introvert, if someone is telling me to stay inside, it's not the same as me choosing to be inside. Yes, and I, I, um, I said this uh, on a TV program a few weeks ago where I was saying that's exactly it, where they're saying that, you know, it's, it's kind of a bit of a contradiction because on one hand, uh, introverts often feel that they don't have much say over their lives. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. On the other hand, what they're saying is exactly what you said, which is um, when I'm home alone or whatever, I choose to be. Now I'm being forced to. It's not on my terms. Okay, right. so there's a bit of a, a paradox there because in reality, again, many times when things were going better, they wish they could, you know, be more of an extrovert. Okay, so it doesn't really feel like it's on their terms, but now they're saying this is especially not on my terms. Right, right. Has it has it affected you really? I know you said earlier in the conversation not so much, but I mean, in a mental way, has it affected you? Just the fact, the whole situation, really. Yeah. Um, no, it really, believe it or not, again, I have to say, I mean, part of it is just the way I've trained myself for many years uh, to be adaptive, but part of it is, I can't stress this enough, I am blessed that I, my, with my job, with my family, with my position in life, that I don't, I'm not on the same edge or on the precipice of some impending disaster as other people are. 
Um, and I mean, I've, I've had some financial hits. Uh, I've got three daughters ranging in age from 10 to 23 uh, who are on varying degrees of wanting to murder each other daily. So, you know, there, there are some problems, but I, all I do is I keep focusing and saying it could be so much worse. Right. And that's how I keep myself, you know, buoyant. So that's kind of a form of mental hygiene we can all practice? It truly is. And look, there are going to be some people where they say there's no bright side. There's, like I am at the bottom. And, you know, unfortunately, there, you know, maybe it's 0.1%, maybe it's 1% of people. And sadly, I hope that they have supports where people can maybe help elevate them. But for everybody else, if you force yourself to find something to say, you know what, I know this happened and this happened, but here's where I feel gratitude. And by the way, um, we, the science is in gratitude. As when you talk about mental hygiene, yes, gratitude truly helps protect you from anxiety, anger, depression, stress. It's not going to make it all go away, but it can mitigate the impact. So I hope people will do that, not because they're trying to follow some cheesy, you know, I don't know, way of living, but rather because it's been proved that it can help you uh, get through these tough times. Okay. So maybe if someone's feeling stressed, they can just take a step back say, look, I'm alive, I'm breathing, I live in Canada. Yeah, you know, and people say, well, great, my bar of success is I'm alive and breathing, okay? So that's a tough sell. Right. Um, so the, the part about I'm, I'm in Canada, you know, maybe I had to line up for an extra 30 minutes, but the supply chain is still intact, right? I've got running water, stuff like that. That's, you know, that, that is very helpful. And the, the, the stepping back part is really important because that's, and I'm a big proponent of doing proper breathing, grounding yourself, being mindful. I mean, mindfulness has become the, you know, the catchphrase since 1990, late 90s, I believe. Um, but the fact is, there is value. And even if you don't meditate, even if you don't do deep mindful exercises, proper breathing can give you that space to be able to step back and have that perspective that you just said, that's what people need to try to do. And that's not impossible. Literally anybody can do it. Right, right. Has this maybe also shown us how, um, how tough we are, whether, you know, whether we thought we are or not? For example, before I would hear people say things like, if I don't get my Starbucks coffee in the morning, I can't function or I don't even want to live. Think ridiculous things like that. So does this maybe show us that we can adapt? We are resilient. Well, it has for some people, only if they choose to look at that part of it. Others are just waiting. I can't wait till I can go back to my routine. And so on. They're, they're not giving themselves enough credit for having adapted. So it really, you have to force yourself to look and say, yes, look, we're not heroes for being able to tolerate, you know, a couple of months of seclusion. It doesn't make us a hero, but the word about being resilient, that goes a long way. And I, and, and by the way, there are a number of heroes. There are truly people who are, you know, going above and beyond. And by the way, that's as well for gratitude where you say, you know what? Um, it could be that when this happened, that the marauding hordes of, you know, uh, I don't know bandits or whatever could come in and pillage us yet. No, we have a, a social, you know, a, a net, a social net uh, and a structure that's keeping us intact. And, you know, and again, there are some people who are stepping up and, and doing things that are incredible, frontline workers, the essential workers you mentioned earlier. So, 
again, focus on that, be happy, be, you know, be grateful and then say, and I'm trying to do my part again. I'm being more, maybe I didn't know I had it in me, but I am more resilient than I thought, or at least adaptive, you know, and, and just that's, again, people have to look at it and not pat themselves on the back excessively, but at least take some credit to say, it's only about saying, I have confidence that for the next bump in the road, I'll be able to handle that as well. Right, right. And uh, to cap off, will you continue to do these type of interviews? I notice you're taking a little break from social media. Yes, um, definitely. I, I, I just, because of my own schedule and everything I'm doing, I don't have the time or the wherewithal uh, to do my own videos. But if anybody wants to have me on where we can speak, and if two people see it or two million people see it, um, you know, as long as it's connecting with somebody and, you know, as long as at least somebody goes, you know what, it makes sense. I might not be saying anything new, but maybe the right turn of phrase, maybe at the right time, maybe the person is just, they were receptive at that moment and something clicks and maybe they can spread a type of message as well, just from the way they're acting. So yes, I would, I'm going to keep doing these interviews, uh, whether, and if you want to just keep reaching out to me on any topic, because, uh, this is the social connectedness that we need to maintain as social animals. It's healthy. Right, right. Okay, well, thank you so much, doctor. I appreciate your time and I hope we can speak again in the future. Oh, of course, I look forward to it, so thank you. Okay, thanks again. Take care. All right, okay. Bye. Bye.